notion in the Bible that's, that we see repeatedly. When God tells us to stop doing something, he tells us to do something else instead. And so uh, what I found is if I try to will my way to peace, it's not enough. I need to replace it with something else. And so that's what we're going to talk about today, being renewed in the spirit of your mind. Take off the old clothes, put on the new clothes. So uh, I like to cycle in the blue trails. Does anybody like to do the blue trails? No? Literally, no one likes to do the blue trails in here. Literally, no one? Thank you, Greg. Good grief. What am I doing up here? So uh, I like to do that. It helps me to, uh, uh, to just focus and get oriented in the right way. But uh, here's what I've learned is when you're cycling, there are things you control and things you don't control. Okay? Things you don't control. You don't control the hills. God put the hills there, and you're stuck with the hills, right? The sun is going to be in your eyes sometimes. The wind is going to be blowing in your face. So there are things that you don't control. One of the things that I find uh, that can really be frustrating is I'm following somebody that's running on the path. And so on this path, if you've not seen it, you've got people that are pushing strollers. They're walking their pets. They're riding their bike, skateboard, whatever it might be. And I'll be following someone, and all of a sudden, with no warning, they turn around and they start running at me. And so I, I'm doing like this, trying not to run into them. And so what I've learned there is you don't control what other people do. Okay? So those are the things you don't control. What you do control is what? You can choose to be prepared. Uh, you can choose to wear a helmet. That's always a good thing. Um, bi- bicycle pants. Greg, do you know about bicycle pants? They're important, okay? Bicycle seats, Autumn knows this too, right? Bicycle seats, I don't know, when I was a kid, they made banana seats that were really cushy. They don't make those kind of seats anymore. They're all, it's like sitting on concrete. So you need bicycle seats. They're not for you to look good. They're to protect you, okay? So you need bicycle seats. You need a helmet, and you need to practice. What I find is if I ride once a month, that, you know, that next ride I go in, it's going to be hard. Okay, and so what I find is it's got to be something I do as part of a rhythm. So things you control, things you don't control. And faith is a muscle, and you need muscle memory uh, practicing your faith. And that helps you to kind of take some of those hills uh, in life. So we're going to have a few write-downs. They're actually going to be up on the screen. And uh, I'm going to try to just make it very practical. I think many of you probably know these verses by heart. You've seen them uh, much of your life if you've been part of uh, a uh, church body, but I'm going to get to some very practical obstacles that I think we run into, certainly I run into, and how to avoid those obstacles as we go through it. So the context of uh, Philippians is, uh, this is a letter written by Paul to the church of Philippi. He had visited a number of times. We can see in the language that he uses that he is very, uh, he loves these people. He loves these people. And the context is, of course, he is in uh, prison. Uh, He's awaiting his execution. And so things on the outside are not going well. It talks about there's conflict in the church, that there's false teachers, and Paul can't be with the people that he loves. So he writes this letter. And the overarching word that characterizes Philippians is joy. So peace and joy. So in the midst of those trials that Paul is going through, he encourages the people that he loves to have peace. And so that's what we want to talk about today. So the first verse is Uh, Philippians uh, 4 and 5. We're going to start with that. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is 
near. And so we, I talked about earlier, when we are filled with self, we go to dark places. When we are filled with self, we go to dark places. So the very beginning, the beginning of our service, what do we do? We worship. And so that helps us to set aside the distractions of life, the trials of life, and to put our attention where it belongs. So this is about posture. One of the things I didn't talk about is when you're on a bike, your posture matters. If you lean in too much or you sit back too much, your back is going to kill you. So your posture is important here when you start facing some of the trials of life. So rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in what he has done for us at Calvary, but rejoice in what he has done for us in the past and carried us through trials. In the past, rejoice for the fact that we have air to breathe every day and he provides for us. So it starts with this posture of joy, of rejoice. Uh, The Lord's Prayer starts, Our Father. Our Father. So the whole idea is let's put our attention where it belongs on our uh, creator who is both sovereign and who is loving. The, uh, the last verse that we were singing in the song, I never heard that song, uh, it talks about God's perfect love and his sovereignty. And so God is both sovereign and in control, and he also loves us. So uh, what flows out of that is a sense of uh, gentleness. So when we put our attention towards God, naturally our spirit changes, and uh, this really impacts how we interact with others. So the tone, uh, Graham, I think one of the most important lessons I've learned from Graham Haygood is in marriage, it's all about tone, right? Is that true, Joda? It's all about tone. And so our tone with other people changes when our spirit is directed towards God. So I talked about my anger when I was a kid. The, um, what I find is when uh, other people around me frustrate me, I can recognize the grace that I've been given and extend that grace to them. But it's got to start with me focusing on God and not myself. So the obstacle uh, I want to just speak to here is busyness. So the thing that keeps me from rejoicing in God is my calendar. I am overscheduled. Uh, I do it to myself. I put too many things in there. I say yes to a lot of things that I shouldn't. And my busyness can uh, crowd out any space for God in my life. And so the thing that I've learned that I need to do, the prescription for that for me, is uh, creating space for my spirit uh, in the day. And so we know that we need Sabbath rest. We need exercise. We need fellowship. We need Bible study. Uh, We don't need those once a week on Sunday. We need those every day. Even if it's just a few minutes, we need some sacred rhythms. We need a sacred moment where we can rest in who God is and who we are in God through his grace. And that helps us to fight off that spirit of being distracted and harried and busy. So the first write down is don't rush through life, nourish your spirit. Don't rush through life, nourish your spirit. And that's up on the screen there. Um, Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 is next verse and this is a verse that I found very very frustrating for the first half of my Christian walk it's very simple it says don't worry pray gosh sounds very easy right Uh, one of the things that I found that for me I have a spirit of anxiety in my flesh I have a spirit of anxiety And so when I see that, it's like, well, if I'm not worrying about it, who's going to worry about it? Somebody has to worry about it, God, right? Somebody needs to. And uh, again, it starts with that spirit of worship in verse 
four, recognize that God is big enough to worry about uh, your cares. And so be anxious for, for nothing. Um, what's important here is, you see at the very end there, it says, with thanksgiving. So one of the things we learn in science is the brain can't hold two conscious thoughts at the same time. You cannot be anxious and grateful at the same time. So you need to make a choice to take off the anxiety and to put on a spirit of gratitude. And so that's step one. And the second piece is we need to be very uh, conscious to make a decision to give our requests uh, to God, to give our request to God. And so we don't want to make a general prayer and say, God, um, help my child to do well. We want to be very specific and say, you know, God, um, Catherine has a test on Monday. Um, I'm anxious about it. I want to hand it over to you, and I'm going to let you take care of it. So it's a conscious decision to give something to God. And what's so amazing about that is when God carries Catherine through that test, you get to see God working in your life. So you made a very specific request that God has answered. And uh, when he turns that around, uh, it helps you to, to see how faithful he is. So one of the things I wanted to do was have a visual aid. There's no John Piper quote, Jerry, sorry. Uh, but there is a visual aid. And so uh, the visual aid is a, is a baton. And so I want you to think about what's the thing that you brought in today that you really don't need to be carrying around. God is big enough to handle it. And so you need to make a choice to hand that to God. And when I was preparing, I thought, gosh, this is really cheesy. This is dumb. I'm not sure whether I should do this. And so I, I parked in the same spot I park in every week. And this was in my parking space. So apparently I needed to talk about the baton, even though it's cheesy. So there's two obstacles that, um, that I run into here. We talked about um, earlier God's character. One is, I think that my stuff is too small for God to care about. And the other is, I think that my stuff is too big for God to handle. And so we talked about earlier, God is... Uh, Sovereign, God is big enough. The verse is Luke one thirty seven. Nothing is impossible with God. But we also talked about that uh, we need to cast our cares upon Him because He cares for us. And so even the little things matter to God. And it becomes a spirit of surrender. And what I find is when I surrender things to God and agree not to pick them back up, it's not a relay race. We don't give it to God so He can worry about it a while. And then take it back so we can worry a while. We're going to hand it to him uh, permanently. Um, that is um, what we need to do. So the write-down is don't carry it around, give it to God in prayer. Don't carry it around, give it to God in prayer. So uh, verse 7 says, And the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So the peace of God is... The promise. So if we start with the spirit of worship and we, uh, in gratitude, take our requests uh, to God and we choose to surrender those things to him, uh, what he gives us in exchange is a peace, a peace that makes no sense. And you'll find this around you as you go through trials, people around you will see you with a spirit of peace and they'll start asking you what in the world are you thinking? It's a supernatural piece. It doesn't make any sense in man's economy. So Psalm 23 talks about our good shepherd. And so 
the last piece of the puzzle here in finding peace is focusing on our good shepherd. It says that he meets my every need. He meets my every need. He gives me rest. He nourishes me. It says that he restores my soul. That's something that when you look around you, when you look at your heart, sometimes we need our soul restored, and our good shepherd is there to do that for us, and he is with us during life's trials. So you notice in Psalm 23, it doesn't say that everything is perfect. It says, in the valley of the shadow of death, God is with us. So the promise is that he is with us, and we have no reason to fear in the midst of our trials. And so that is finding the peace of God. Um, If you do this, I find it creates opportunities to witness. Um, so a few weeks ago, I was approached by a colleague that was in from out of town, and, and uh, she asked, uh, how do you maintain your calm in the midst of all of the craziness at work? I get so frustrated. How do you maintain your calm? And so that was an incredible opportunity to talk about the anger from my childhood and how I was able to release that. So we started with, let's find the peace of God, and now let's talk about how to keep the peace of God. And this is where uh, 15 years ago I was on a retreat, and I recognized that this is the part that I was missing. I thought it was all willpower, and I just needed to turn my issues over to God. There's a couple pieces that are so important in keeping peace over time. So verse 8 talks about Finally, brethren, whatever is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, of good repute, or commendable, if there is any excellence in anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. So, you may have had some success in the past by handing the baton to God, and then you notice the next day, it's back in your hand somehow. Somehow you've taken it back, and you're anxious again. And this is a key piece of the puzzle. And so... This talks about this notion of um, our minds. And so what I find, maybe I'm different than everyone else, but what I find is sin starts in my mind. Temptation starts in my mind. And then I make a choice to either follow through or not follow through. And anxiety starts in our minds. And so we talked about the good shepherd. We are in the middle of the pen, and the good shepherd is protecting us in that pen. And so one of the things that I've done in the past is I open the back door to the pen. I let things into the pen that I shouldn't. And all of a sudden the wolves are coming in and I'm fearful again. And so our minds need to be by invitation only. So imagine a bouncer standing at the door of your mind. Only you control what you think about. So imagine a bouncer standing at the door of your mind, and these eight things talk about um, God's bullseye for our minds. True, honorable, right, pure, lovely, good repute. And it says dwell on these things. So the home for our minds needs to be Christian thoughts. Um, The message says, message translation says, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly. 
I don't know about you guys, but there's an awful lot of worst and ugly out there in our world, right? And there's an awful lot of best and beautiful. But we choose who we let into our minds. So the obstacle to peace here that I found is sometimes I feed my fear rather than my faith. I feed my fear rather than my faith. And um, for me, uh, 24-hour news I can't watch politics. I can't get engaged in. I need to limit social media. Those things don't bring me to a place of God's peace. They tend to take me away into divisiveness and anxiety. And so the write down for this is don't feed your fear, feed your faith. Don't feed your fear, feed your faith. In the last verse, verse 9. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So this is also key. Not only what we think, but we have an active mind, what we follow through on. And there's a couple of pieces I want to talk about here. We were in uh, Padre Island seeing my family this week, and they did a sea turtle release. And they're about that big. They're like the size of a half dollar, for those of you who remember what a half dollar looks like. They're tiny. And they take these hatchlings and they release them into the ocean. And it's about 50 feet that the uh, sea turtles have to navigate through the sand to get to the ocean. And they do it at sunrise. And they do it at sunrise because sea turtles nest. They're born on the same beach. They come back 15 years later and they nest on that same beach. And so that is their home. That's where they find protection and rest. And so... They release the sea turtles towards the sun at sunrise, and the sea turtles navigate their way through. And what you find is uh, there is there are nets that the Park Service puts over the sea turtles because it turns out that sea turtles have lots of predators. And so they put nets over the sea turtles so that the seagulls don't come down and eat them for a snack. And we we've saw several times a little sea turtle gets capsized. He gets turned upside down. And so a park ranger will come over and put him right side back up. And so I tell you that story for this reason. One of the things that certainly we as men tend to do is we try to do things on our own. We love our independence. We think that we can handle everything on our own. The reality is sometimes we're, we're capsized. We're on our back. And... Uh, that's bad. But what's worse is when we pretend we're not on our back. And so we need people around us, we need people in community that have invested in us, and they're willing to look us in the eye and say, dude, you're, you're on your back. Like, you're completely disoriented right now, and I need to help you get turned around and point back to the sun. And so for me, one of the things that I've found is I need to have someone in my life that I am completely transparent with. All of my issues are out on the table, and I'm not hiding anything. Because if you're hiding things in your life, you're never going to find peace. And so that community is important. So uh, the write-down here is don't go it alone, get connected. Galatians 6.2 says, Galatians 6.2 says we should bear one another's burdens. And if you think you don't have any burdens, read Galatians 6.3. It says you're not all that. You have issues. Okay? Okay. Uh, Next is purpose. So 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each one should use whatever gift he's received to serve others faithfully administering God's grace in its various 
forms, which implies two things. We each have gifts, and we have unique gifts, and we're meant to serve in our giftedness um, to help those around, me, around us and advance the gospel. And so what I find is when I focus on me, I'm in trouble. When I serve others, God not only helps others through me, but God helps me. Does that make sense? All right, so the write down here is don't waste your life. Don't waste your gift. Sorry, waste your life. That is a John Piper thing. Don't waste your life. Uh, the uh, takeoff is don't waste your gift. The put on is, is serve others. Uh, serve others. Um, so it talked about in verse 7 at the end, it said, it talked about the um, peace of God was the promise. And in verse 9, the promise is the God of peace. See what Paul has done there? First he said, hey, you're searching for peace. I can give you the peace of God that is lasting. But if you focus your mind on Christian thoughts, on my best for you, and you live that out in integrity and vulnerability, and you serve others, you will have not just the peace of God, but you'll have the God of peace. And so uh, Joda teaches two-year-olds in the back there. I started teaching with Joda before we got married in the church, mainly to hang out with Joda. And uh, so she teaches two-year-olds. One of the things you see every year, we're going to go through promotion here pretty soon, is separation anxiety. So the parent drops off the two-year-old, and the two-year-old looks at my wife like she is Hitler. Like, she is an evil, evil person, dastardly, you know, plan she has for me. And it takes them time to, you know, regain their control because they operate, toddlers operate in their kind of lower, you know, brain, right? It's hard for them to rationalize. They just operate in anxiety. And so the lesson that you learn there is they are so connected uh, to their parents that they see their parents as this is my safety, my providence, my significance, my everything. And when you separate them from their parents, it creates this incredible uh, fear in them. And um, I close on that because, you know, what, what I'm learning, still working on it, is peace is uh, not a feeling. God's peace is not a feeling. It's a presence. It's uh, a relationship. And you can search for man's peace in all the wrong places, but you're not going to find lasting peace until you are in that relationship with your creator. So uh, Kevin taught on John 15, abiding in Christ. And that really hits this notion of we find peace when we are abiding in Christ and, and not pursuing things, but pursuing our creator. There's a, a hymn, uh, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, and the verses are, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry. John knows, yeah, everything to God in prayer. So it is a choice that we, that we make. And some of you are going through some very tough times, things that I can't, I can't relate to. I went to a uh, grief share class uh, a few weeks ago. And uh, this, is, this is the handout for the grief share class. And it says, at the very top, it says, 
I am God. Today I will be handling all of your problems. Please remember that I do not need your help. So even in the difficult times, we can make a choice. And so um, has anyone ever used the expression, it's not you, it's me? Yeah. So what I find is when I'm not at peace, it's not God, it's me. That God is right there, but I have to make a choice to turn to him. So the last write down is don't go searching for peace, turn to the God of peace. And so we talked about this morning how to find the peace of God and how to keep the peace of God. We're going to turn to communion right now. And when uh, the, the first communion was in the upper room, uh, along those same, uh, in that same passage that Jesus talked about his peace and what was going to happen and that, that they can, the disciples can find peace in him. And we certainly want to remember uh, Christ's sacrifice and his uh, broken body and his shed blood because that gives us peace with God. But that same relationship can give us the peace of God. And so we're going to have a minute to, to uh, do communion and have prayer. And we're going to have an elder, which is Kevin and Lilia, are going to be in the back. And one of the things I would just ask is if you have a baton or you have a cement bag that you carry around uh, today, that you would give them the opportunity to pray with you. And just make a commitment to leave it here today. Or if you've got a loved one right now who is just straying away from God's best for them, that you'll give them an opportunity uh, to pray with you.